0: Don't call it a comeback, I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P D hey, rub my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city Let's before go. I leave. Brush my teeth with a bottle of jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking
1: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. The world is
0: run by computers. The world is run by robots. And sometimes they ask us if we're a robot just because we're trying to log on and look at our own stuff.
1: This is the Press Box.
2: I didn't know that. If yeah, yeah, you mean. keep having me sign in and saying, are you a robot? I got to pick out like the stoplights. I got to pick out the freaking trees. <laughs> I got to pick out all these crosswalks. I just want to know when my damn Dodger gear is on the way. All right. With
1: Grainy and Bischoff.
0: Passwords have passed. You've correctly guessed. But
1: now it's time for the robot test on ESPN, Las Vegas.
2: No, no, we did not go around. It was an awful call. I admit it. We'll get to it. The first fresh bite. Fresh box transition. I was not ready at all. I don't. I do not. have All right. Are the Raiders going to beat the Broncos? Is that it? Yeah. No, you don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, I agree with that. I don't think they're going to. That's sad. I think they can. The Broncos
3: aren't that good. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you just asked if I think they're going to win. So, all right. Do you think there's any level of like the Raiders are going to fall apart after the John Gruden resignation?
2: I don't think they're going to fall apart. I don't know if the there's you know the opponents are going to be tough enough to where they'll fall apart. No. I am interested, though. I am really interested in Greg Olson calling plays. We talked to him yesterday. He's done it before. He actually did it for Carr in 2014 in Carr's rookie season. He's done it. He's been in offensive quarter five times. I think at, three, th- at least three or four spots he called plays. So I'm interested in that, and I'm hoping what we're kind of hearing behind the scenes is true in that not that they haven't passed a lot already because they're like third in the league in, in passing yardage, but I hope they even throw even more than yeah. they've been throwing.
3: Yeah, which I think is what uh, you've got the potential to see. I know Josh Dubow tweeted out yesterday that when Greg Olson was calling the plays in Jacksonville, uh, he called the most pass plays on yeah. first down in the NFL before he ultimately got fired. Uh, by the way, it was Gus Bradley <laughs> but that Gus fired Bradley. him <laughs> in Jacksonville. Isn't that weird? So uh, He's got a history of he's had teams where he's been calling plays where they throw the ball. Uh, And throw it early. And I think that's what the Raiders need. They need to be throwing it on first and second downs. uh, Because they don't have any success running the ball. Uh, And they're going up against the Denver team. This Broncos team. They have been. Their front uh, four or front five technically. Has been much better against the run than they probably have as pass rushers. So you're going up against a team that you're probably not going to have much success running the ball against. You're probably going to get beat. Uh, in the trenches, in the run game. So, there's not much reason, I think, to actually hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs 15, 18, 20 times. Like, this should be a pass-heavy game plan, and it should probably be a pass-heavy game plan into the future, because I don't think the offensive line is getting significantly better anytime soon.
2: No. I mean, I think, you know, they passed to try to establish a run with Gruden. I think they're going to pass the pass. I I think you might see four, five, six straight passes in, in terms of you Know during the game, and I hope we do it's more exciting. And I want to see what Greg Olson and Derek Carr can do calling plays prop for you. Ready for a prop? Okay, Josh Jacobs over or under 47 and a half
3: yards. Yes, under. I agree. I'll, I'll take the under on like every number you set yes. on him for the rest of the year 4.7. <laughs> <laughs> Shoulder <laughs> injuries for the rest of the year, one and a half. Does it count? Does it count if he already has one? Does that count as more? <laughs> no. Okay,
2: new no. shoulder injuries? Yeah. <laughs> 47 and a half.
3: Uh, yeah, under. I'd say under no, I agree. I First off, even if they give him 15 carries, he might not get to 47 and a half. And I well, when think... I saw 47 and a half, I'm like, do they have a new offensive line <laughs> that we
2: didn't hear about? Did they suddenly get
3: five new guys? Are there any players that you think benefit from Greg Olson now calling plays? Because we've seen, like Kenyon Drake has just... Not been used. Like, they signed Kenyon Drake, call him the Joker, all that, but he has just simply not been used very much. Uh, Darren Waller, since the first week, he's only averaging 53.5 yards per game since then, which, for a tight end, is good across the NFL, but...
2: It's Darren Waller.
3: Darren Waller's supposed to be, you know, averaging 75, 85 yes. yards per game. Uh, Marcus Mariota's back. Uh, Ruggs and Edwards have been... Better, but still sort of sporadically used over the first few weeks of the season. Like, you, is there anybody on the offense you think, oh, they're going to be better or at least used more because of Greg? I Olson. think
2: Brian Edwards, because I think they've tried to get him involved more and it just hasn't worked out. I think Brian Edwards might have a breakout game in terms of, you know, I rugs, they've tried to hit a couple deep, you know, they've thrown deep to him two or three times a game. But I do think Brian Edwards might be a guy if they are throwing more. I think they're going to throw more. I don't think. We're hearing these things because no one's saying it behind the scenes. I think they're going to throw the ball a lot more, and translation would be more guys have opportunities. But I think Brian Edwards.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious. The big one to me that I'm I'm interested to see is Kenyon Drake. Like, do, do, do they well, get anything they use out them. of this? Yeah, do yeah. they get anything out of this signing from Kenyon Drake? Because it has been Josh Jacobs when healthy and Peyton Barber when Jacobs isn't healthy, and we haven't seen Kenyon Drake do much of anything. This year. So that's what I'm curious, really curious to see. How much use does Kenyon Drake get? And can he actually be a factor? Because here's the thing. If, like we think, Greg Olson is going to call a lot more pass plays, if we think this is going to be a much more pass-heavy offense, Kenyon Drake is better in the passing game than Josh Jacobs. Yes. Yes. So Kenyon Drake probably deserves more snaps in that instance than he's been getting if you're going to be opening it up. Now, Jacobs is... Fine as a pass catching running back, but there's nothing really special about him in that regard. So, but if you're going to be throwing it around a lot, Kenyon Drake should probably be on the field. I am, I guess, one thing I haven't probably haven't paid enough attention to has Kenyon Drake had any problems in pass protection? Because that often determines. I don't know if he's
2: been in enough to even determine
3: whether he has. That often determines like playing time for like the third down backs is like, can you pass block? Because they're going to ask you to stay in and pass block if the other team brings a linebacker or something. And that oftentimes is why some guys don't get on the field on third downs is because, oh, that guy cannot pick up a right. blitz, so we can't trust him out there. I, I haven't paid enough attention to that. Maybe you're right. He hasn't even been out there enough to really I don't think he's been out it, there enough to even determine it. But that might be one area where, hey, you got to be better in the pass blocking game to actually earn that playing time.
2: Will the big quarterback play? Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. I'm wondering how Greg Olson, if he does, we don't even know if he will, but if he uses him at all,
3: He's back this week. He was in practice yesterday. So we've seen two years now, actually three years, uh, technically two and a half, where the Raiders have not been good in red zone scenarios and the Raiders have not been good in short yardage yardage, scenarios. Marcus Mariota is a conceivable fix or at least a, you know, hey, this package you can run in there on short yardage or in the red zone and it could help you score or move the chains. But this year particularly the reason they're not good in short yardage is because of the offensive line. Like, and I don't know that Marcus Mariota, maybe you run a zone read and that at least gives the defensive line two guys to worry about instead of one. And maybe that's enough to pick up the third and two or something. But I don't know, like putting Marcus Mariota in doesn't solve the Andre James, Alex Leatherwood problem, right? He doesn't make those two guys better. So... I, I think you got to use it at some point, use him at some point, because you've been so bad in those scenarios, but it's just a matter of, okay, just because there's a new quarterback in there doesn't mean Andre James and Alex Otherwood are suddenly are suddenly be good. So I don't know that it changes much, but I do think you try it just because eh, running quarterback might change the defense enough to where you can pick up those short yards.
2: And it's situations. not Nate Peterman in the sense that I think you signed Marcus Mariota with an idea that you did have a set of plays for him. I mean, Nate Peterman basically just goes in if Derek Carr gets oh, hurt. yeah. I mean, there's nothing. You're not, can can you're not you imagine
3: st- a Peterman package? Yeah. There no, there's no Peterman scripted package? Peterman package Derek Carr, uh, get off the field. We, we have gotta get Peterman package.
2: We've got to get Peterman in no, for a few plays. But they have a package for Mariota, so use it. I mean, if you, like you said a few times, just use it. You know, there's, you know there's plays they have drawn up for him. Yeah. I mean, so, the first play
3: of the year he ran, it was a great play, and then he got hurt. You... When you sign Marcus Mariota to be your backup, there's really two things there. Number one is he's a he's a really good backup quarterback, mm-hmm. right? He's a good number two, and if Carr gets hurt, you feel pretty good about this guy going in, right? If all of it, if we found out right now Derek Carr was done for the season and Mariota's the starter, I don't think that really changes either of our opinion on how far they're going to go. No, right? Cause granted, neither of us actually think they're going to make the playoffs, but. Like That doesn't really significantly change how good we think this team is. So that's one reason. But the other reason is that he does give you a different threat. You can put him in there for a few plays and keep the defense off balance because, uh-oh, we've got to be worried about this running quarterback, a guy who might take off with his legs, who can also throw the ball down the field. So that's the reason you sign him. Uh, we haven't really seen that used, that second part of that used very much. So... Maybe Greg Olson says, "Yep, let's do it." And listen, maybe Gruden would have done that, but Mariota yeah, got we hurt. don't know that he got hurt I mean, on one yeah, play this hurt, year. So. so maybe Gruden would yeah. have been doing that these yeah. last five games had Mariota been healthy, Absolutely. but he hasn't. So i I think we see him. I do think we see him for at least a couple of plays, like if they get into a third and one or something like that, or even if it's just hey we're in the red zone and we want to throw something different at him. I, I think we see him for a couple of plays.
2: I don't think it's going to be a disaster. I really don't. I think Olsen's called plays uh, enough in his career. Bradley is obviously just going to run the defense. Basaccia, uh, special teams, and kind of oversee things like you said the other day. Maybe Basaccia makes a decision. But even, look, like even on fourth and down, fourth down, like Gruden had all power. I still think on fourth down, Basaccia's going to ask Olsen, what do you want to do? Yeah. I really do. I, I, I don't think he's going to ultimately say, I'm not going to ask you. I will just make the decision. And he should, by the way. He should ask Olsen, what do you want to do? What do we have to run? Yeah. Like and should you should got we a go? good play for this. Yeah. Basically. Do you have a good play for this? So I don't think it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> but again, before all this happened with Gruden, I think we both said, I thought it was a struggle to make the playoffs. I yeah. didn't think they would make the playoffs. So unless it just becomes what? We said the other day, like four and thirteen, and it just—I don't think that's going to happen. No. I'm going to be shocked if that happens.
3: I—I I don't think they're like falling apart. I think—I no. think we've seen and heard enough about Rich Basaccia and even just from the players, the, the player leadership on this team, that they're not really going to fall apart. No, I don't think so either, anytime soon. Now, if they lose like six in a row, then they probably will fall apart, but. I don't think we're going to see no. like some meltdown from this team. I I think from what we saw this week, they're going to be generally fine going forward. Now, even if John Gruden was the head coach, even if those emails had never been sent or never been publicly released, I still think I'd be picking Denver to win this game. I would too. So yeah, like I'm not changing on that. Right. So like the the John Gruden resignation doesn't change this from oh the Raiders were going to win to well now yeah. the Broncos are going to win. I you're going to Denver you're playing probably the best defense in this division yeah. Teddy Bridgewater's been good better so than people far thought. this year yeah, yeah. I', better. I, I mean, better than people thought he's been solid and that offense as a whole is is decent uh so it's it's not a team that I like wouldn't have sat here and said oh yeah the Raiders are definitely going to Denver and they're Raiders. not
2: home this week against the Jags right
3: so I still think the Broncos end up winning but I don't think it's because the Raiders no. fall apart this week. I don't think anything that happened earlier. No, this I week think is... they'll look probably like they looked
2: with him, and I just think they'll throw more.
3: Yeah, which well, might be the reason they win. Yeah. Hell, what if they what if they win with Derek Carr throwing it forty eight times or something like that? I mean, it'd be fun to watch. It would be looking around, be cool saying, to watch what, what very sustainable. With, what were you doing <laughs> with this Josh Jacobs guy all season? Get him out of here. Stop running the ball. Start throwing it around. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the Golden Knights because oh boy. This is about as bad as the first two games of a season could go.
1: Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Here's
0: Arvidsson with Kopitar in front for Kopitar. He scores. Started on the forehand, went to the backhand, and buries his third goal of the day. 6-1
1: 6-1 Los Angeles with five minutes to go in the third. We are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Coming up at 7:45, you're
3: going to have a chance to win 100 bucks thanks to Dollar Loan Center. Just going to have to pick some winners in the NFL. But the Golden Knights are now one and one on the season after a 6-2 loss to the LA Kings last night. Uh, But maybe more importantly than that, Mark Stone left the game with an apparent leg injury. He took a shot. There was no contact with anything. And then all of a sudden he is being helped down to the locker room. Uh, So no real obvious injury on what happened to Mark Stone. But he did not return to the game, obviously. And I think it's pretty fair to sort of fear for the worst in terms of Mark Stone having a long-term injury. Uh, But we'll see. Uh, we'll see how long it actually is once we get an update. I, well,
2: well, I mean, an update. Not, not the, update uh, is used
3: uh, very loosely. Lower here Lower body Knights. In yeah, lower body injury. Day to day.
2: Don't worry about all the braces and stuff around his knee. He's fine. <laughs> He'll be fine
3: in a week. <laughs> Upper body. Yeah. He's he's day to day, and then we'll no. get a picture of him somewhere with like on a scooter because he can't walk.
2: I mean, how often? And our intrepid producer here has done it himself. How often? When there's no one around, it's the worst. I look. I don't want to guess here what happened, but when your knee buckles like that and there's no one around you and you're helped off by two
3: people, that's usually not something that where hey he'll play against St. Louis on Wednesday. No, I would I would be surprised. I guess based on on him being yes. helped down the tunnel if he plays uh, on Wednesday, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it we'll is, see, it is five days off. So you have Mark Stone injured. But the Golden Knights also lost 6-2 to to the Kings last night. The Kings are not good. Uh, the Golden Knights got outshot 47-25. to The Corsi for the team was 35%. The expected goals was 42%. So we have now seen the Golden Knights play six periods of hockey. And they've been good in maybe one of those six periods of hockey. The first one against Seattle. But since then, they've managed to blow a 3-0 lead to Seattle, even though they came back and won that. And just were awful in every Every minute of the game last night. They were awful against the Kings. Are we sure they're good?
2: Well, they're a Chandler mm. Stevenson skate away from being probably either one and one or 0 and two. Um I I mean, I still think they're good. I mean Stone's gonna hurt Theodore McNabb. I mean, they they've got all these guys hurt two games into the season, so that's usually not good. I thought, you know, it was uh interesting because I didn't know if Leonard got hurt, too, because I was going back and forth between the baseball game and the hockey <laughs> game. I'm like, wait, what happened to him? I think that was more down 4-1, you're probably not going to win, uh, your, your captain's out, and I think that's more this guy's going to play so much this year whenever you get a chance to say, look, it's just not happening to take the third period off because I he's going to play a ton this year, and you're only two
3: games in. I I think that. I don't. I just don't think they thought they were winning last night. Yeah, he, he gave Pete Deport gave up a little early. I mean, you're down four to one. Sure, it's unlikely that you come back and win, but like this so, team overcoming after the second period. Yeah, this team overcoming a three goal deficit is that really that far out of the question? Well, I mean, they're, hell, way they're playing. The Seattle Kraken <laughs> just did it two nights ago to them. Kraken came back and won last night. So Yeah, but the Kraken are an expansion team. They've got that energy. But so here's the thing on the Golden Knights. I Greatest Expansion team of all time. Am not that concerned that, say, you know, the, the Patriaretti Stone before he got injured, the Patriarti Stone Stevenson <laughs> line was not playing very well. Like they had not played well over these played teams. Well They played well last night. They got dominated last yeah. night. I'm not overly worried about like that line. Right, because we know Pachareddy's good. We know Mark Stone is good. Right, we know those players. Well, you're good. not overly worried until we hear what this guy has. Well, that's that's true. That's true. But and then like you know Carlson Smith and Marsh or so, even though they've probably been the best players on the team so far, I'm not worried that they've had any struggles either. And same for say Shea Theodore or Alec Martinez, right? What's more concerning is the Golden Knights have gotten absolutely nothing from the bottom six forwards through two games. And yes, they've got a lot of injuries. Will Carrier's out. Uh, Matthias Janmark's on the COVID protocol. Like, this is not the ideal bottom six that they'll be playing with later in the year. But they've got nothing out of that bottom six. And we don't know if Nolan Patrick is good. We don't know if Evgeny Dadnov is going to be good for this team. We don't know if Peyton Krebs is going to be good. So for them to have gotten nothing through two games from their bottom six... That's my big concern going forward outside of Mark Stone. That's my big concern is that this might be a two line team for an entire season, which is a complete nightmare after how they handled the offseason. Is Dadnop the only one who played well last night? Yeah, maybe. Looking at this. He might have been Like I it mean, wasn't... none of these guys did I, anything I last night. Pete DeBoer said uh Keegan Colasar, the only two players... Colasar. Colasar Keegan Kolasar and time. he said Robin Leonard was probably their best player. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. He gave up the four guy three. you play,
2: the guy you pulled. Yes, before the third period, who had given up four goals was his was his best player. Yeah. Well, you probably watched it more than I did. So, how many should he have given up? Because if he gave up
3: four and it was his best player, should he what should he have given up seven? Uh, yeah, maybe none of the goals you would actually well, maybe one of those four what you put on him. You'd really put on Leonard, but you got to make some more saves. Like one was a two on one where Leonard's diving back across right. the crease. You got nothing on that, but two, they scored two goals from the point where one got deflected and it's tough for a goalie to make. A that was a doubting when I saw that, but one. like you, goalies got to make some big saves every right. now and then. So yeah, Leonard probably could have been better, I guess, but it, the bigger problems are certainly not Robin Leonard right now. Like there's no doubt about it. The bigger problems are the skaters in front of Robin Leonard, because again, they just played the LA Kings. A bad team and got outshot forty-seven to twenty-five. Like that's not like the Golden Knights should never get right. outshot by twenty by anyone in this league. This is a Stanley Cup contender, and they got outshot by twenty by one of the worst teams in a bad division. It does. It doesn't matter who the goalie was. It doesn't matter what Robin Leonard did. You get outshot by twenty plus to the Kings. Like that's pathetic. So. I, listen, they did not play well in the preseason. They have not played well in two games. Mark Stone might be out for a long time. I'm not sitting here telling you like they're going to miss the playoffs or anything, but I think there's some legitimate concern as to how good this team actually right. is. Like, is this team actually a Stanley Cup contender? Because we have not seen them play well, and if Stone's out for a lengthy period of time, you're talking about, okay, where are they actually getting good production from? Where do you know you can get good production from? The Carlson, Marshall and Smith line? They can't even win a fight. Oh, Keegan Colasar. Oh, man, he got, he got taken Bring down. back Reeves.
2: This is why they need Reeves. Are you okay with when he took him to the ice, he got another shot? No, not really. Like in hockey, that's yeah. not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just kind of yeah, hug you... the guy, and I'm the one who got you down, and then they're going to take me off, and then...
3: Yeah, Brendan Lemieux kind of threw a cheap yeah, shot. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't like that. on the ice, and yeah, he gets one more punch in. A like, little
2: dangerous when the guy's yeah. heads on the ice, and you like take one more shot. Yeah,
3: like it wasn't the worst thing in the world because it's not it wasn't like he, good. Yeah, it's not like he you know kneeed him in the face or reared back and punched him straight in the teeth while he's on the ground or something. It was more just sort of in the back. But
0: yeah, yeah it's, like
3: it's the one extra punch where it's like, oh yeah, that that's a little much. When like, you miss got Revo, as yeah, because Ryan, what, Ryan sort of raced over there and fought him anyways. Absolutely, like oh you're fighting again. Yeah. Let's go back to back. What's the ruling on that? refs let you fight two in a row i would think With they the just kind of
2: skate in the refs don't do much until you go to the ground anyway it's, and, but, they, and, but
3: then they come in and break it up like if reeves skated over there it was like let's fight again yeah. like but you're <laughs> going back to back Wouldn't they might have let, let him i think they i think they got to let ryan reeves fight him so yeah you're missing ryan reeves apparently it's a big deal it's a big deal they need his energy they haven't looked good they haven't
2: no energy no jump they haven't looked at even dave shane before he got hurt last night said Mark Stone just had no job. They were
3: getting outshot something like 15-3 to 3 when Stone was on the ice, which never happens. It's you. It's almost always the other way around. Like, never happens that the Golden Knights get dominated when Stone's on the ice. Like, they've had games where they've gotten beat pretty handily, but it's normally because the other lines are getting caved in, and right. the Stone line is like, oh, we kind of are hanging on. Last night, they were the worst line. I mean, the stone patch stevenson line, that was the worst. Like, when they were on the ice... Golden Knights had nothing. They couldn't even get the puck out. So quickly,
2: let's say we don't know. Preface it with we don't know. He's out for a long time. What do you do?
3: You got to find basically a winger to play up there. Um, It's probably Dadnov. You're probably putting Dadnov up there on the first line. And then your third line sucked already. So you're hoping... Janmark comes back and makes a difference. Uh, I forgot about him. Yeah. I think he but, comes back. But you, you're putting Dadnov, I'd assume, or you're bumping Riley Smith up and moving somebody else to the second, the second. line. But Krebs. He's not been good. And if you're going to play him, play him at center. So, no. But I'd probably but put Dadnov up there. Is he? Not that fast. So No one looks fast right now. No, oh, no, no, no. The team as
2: a whole. Very slow.
3: <laughs> but comparatively, he's Krebs, fast. fast. All right, coming up next, Austin Gale joins the show.
1: Are stats hogwash? Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. He's great. He's been a great teammate now. You know, and that's why I say I think things like this affect people differently, and you
0: understand that part of it, but great communicator. You know, and uh, it was great to have him back. And, you know, whenever he comes back, he provides a little juice for us. And, you know, so he was he was great in the meetings. And he's all caught up and ready to go.
1: It's the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas.
3: Joining us now is Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. All right, Austin, you are the new GM of the Raiders uh, after this season. Are you blowing up the roster and starting another rebuild?
0: Yeah. And guess what? That's what the Raiders should have done three or four years ago. I mean, they've been trying to half rebuild this roster since really they drafted Derek Carr. And and it honestly has not been, I guess not since they drafted Derek Carr, but since they gave him that big contract, they have been trying to half rebuild this roster for so long with a ton of resources, by the way, trading away Cleo Mack, trading away Amari Cooper to get what, six, seven top 50 picks when it's all said and done. And They've literally taken a lighter fluid and a flame to all those picks, drafting <laughs> low value positions, if not just bad football players, and it's cost them dearly. Like, it's why they're consistently mediocre, propped up by a very top heavy, shallow roster that's loaded with talent with Derek Carr, Derek Waller. You could maybe throw you know, Colt Miller and Max Crosby, but after that, you know, th- this team is bad. It's bad. It's one of the worst rosters in the NFL after you remove their top two or three players. It's not deep at all. So I think you have to completely reset from a leadership standpoint, completely reset um, with some of the bigger contracts that they have, and honestly start so fresh that no one, any Raiders man can ever think of the last five, ten years again so that they can actually start to win football games. <laughs>
2: if they – okay, so we're hearing behind the scenes Greg is going to throw more, not a shock given you know how he called plays in the past elsewhere – if they do that, we were asking earlier, who benefits the most? Let's say Greg Olson says, you know what, we're just going to throw it all over the field. Uh, I said Henry Ruggs. Tyler mentioned, where is Kenyon Drake? He he hasn't been much at all. So who do you think benefits the most if, in fact, this is what we're hearing and he's just going to throw it all over the yard?
0: I, mean, I do think it, I could argue Josh Jacobs, so he doesn't have to run behind that terrible <laughs> offense. But I think um, from a shares perspective, I think Hunter Renfro is going to benefit a ton. I know they lay, you know, Derek Carr has a great relationship with him. I think Darren Waller will continue to benefit. I mean, I'd probably throw Henry Ruggs in there as well. With Olsen, the hope is they maintain this high percentage of deep throws. I don't think it's just throwing the football; it's also targeting down the football field. You know, Derek Carr has some of the highest deep percentage, you know, deep pass percentage rate of any team or any quarterback in the NFL right now. That's what you hope to maintain and. It's easier said than done trying to throw the ball deep when your offensive line can't pass protect for more than two seconds, but it's something that they have to do. And the only reason why they got to their hot star, they were creating explosive plays and hitting these shot plays to Ruggs and Brian Edwards down the football field. They need more of that if this offense is going to get back on track and if this team is going to get back on track.
3: Who would you consider are the cornerstone players for the next five years for the Raiders?
0: Colton Miller is obviously a top flight offensive tackle, and the fact that they already have given him his contract extension, you can expect two to three years' time, it'll look like a bargain because they got it so early, and I would argue Darren Waller is in there as well, and the only reason you're not throwing Derek Carr in there, Derek Carr right now is a you know top-12, borderline top-10 quarterback in the NFL when he's protected and in an ideal situation, and now that it's been so far moved since his contract extension, you could argue his contract is somewhat of a bargain, but hear me out on this. Will Derek Carr's camp not ask for a new contract, especially with all the disaster that has happened <laughs> with John Gruden? He's like one of the only leaders on this team. You can expect Derek Carr to enter this offseason saying, I want a new contract, or I'm out. And at that point, when you have to pay Derek Carr $30 million plus, $35 million plus because he wants that money, then he becomes, in my opinion, overvalued for the state of this roster. Now, I view him in that Kirk Cousins tier of quarterback. You can win with a Kirk Cousins at quarterback if you have a good supporting cast, a stable coaching staff, etc. The Raiders don't have that. Get what you can from Derek Carr. Trade him to a team that's more competitive and can actually win a Super Bowl with him or try to and then reset at the position, gather multiple first-round picks, and try and find your quarterback of the future or at least one that's competent, average to above average on a rookie contract. Uh,
2: This week, we, we all think they're losing, but Is there one chance that they won't? I I see your rankings on Crosby and Ngakwe. We know what the Broncos have up front. Can they make that big of a difference this week?
0: I think so. I mean, I think they'll create pressure, and that has not been a problem for that defensive line. I think the bigger issue is on the back end. Like, they they need to create pressure in 1.5 seconds, or else, you know, the the, the secondary that's out, Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen, is going to have someone open. Like, that was the problem against Chicago. That was the problem against Los Angeles. Too many receivers running wide open. Because the secondary is so depleted with injuries. And that, I don't care how good your pass rush is, if you are creating separation early in the route because you're going against an injury-depleted secondary, you're going to give up a lot of yards. And I don't think the offense, on the other hand, has a good enough offensive line to really compete right now. Like They are struggling. Moving Alex Leatherwood from right tackle to right guard, putting Brandon Parker out there. So many injuries along the offensive line, not a lot of talent. Andre James, lowest graded center in the NFL. That is a problem. Your offense will be limited when your offensive line is literally playing losing football right now.
3: Uh, Thursday night football, the Eagles lose to Tampa Bay. Eagles might end up with three top 10 picks. What should they do with Jalen Hurts?
0: This is a very difficult question. It's going to be one of the better storylines of the offseason because obviously, you know, you could, you could argue quarterback. you got to get an upgrade over quarterback. He's a second-round investment. He has not taken that step. Yeah, his supporting cast isn't great, but he's so wildly inaccurate. It would be very difficult to build a competent offense around Jalen Hurts. Could it be good? Absolutely. But it will be difficult, and you don't need to chase that when you have three top-ten picks. The problem is this 2022 quarterback class is bad. There isn't a <laughs> Justin Fields, a Trevor Lawrence, a Zach Wilson in this class. You know, last year you saw you know, five go in the first round. This year – Spencer Rattler might not even declare. He's a backup quarterback in Oklahoma now. He was the favorite to be the first quarterback selected, and now he's a backup at Oklahoma, probably transferring to a school this offseason. Matt Corral is someone people like. He is rising up draft boards, could very well be the first quarterback off the board. Keaton Slovis in the mix, Malik Willis in the mix, with so many question marks with all these guys. That, in my opinion, committing to a quarterback in 2022 with the top 10 resource that they have could set you back a bit if you're not confident he's the guy and the Eagles could get away with maybe punting on the quarterback position next year if they're not confident in any single caller in this class and then looking at 2023 as more of an option.
3: Should the Eagles be the team that doesn't use one of those first uh, top ten picks on a quarterback and trades for Derek Carr?
0: Potentially, exactly. I mean, that's another situation. There's Aaron Rodgers could be on the market. Get Derek Carr potentially on the market. That's where I think that you know, a lot of teams will be looking. I think a lot of teams will be, hey, we're still this kind of quarterback away we're not ready to make an investment in this class, at least not in the top 10. Let's look at some of the veteran quarterbacks that could be available and try and make a play in that way. Because I do think that is a better option, potentially, than spending a top five, so top eight pick on one of these quarterbacks. It's still early. You could see Matt Corral really rise up boards towards the back after the season. you know, combine changes things, interviews change things. But right now, if done to my head, I would not be spending a top 10 selection on any of these quarterbacks.
2: It goes week to week, and they were talking about it last night with Hertz and Devontae Smith, and he didn't have a good game. Where are these rookie running backs in, in your mind?
0: Rookie running backs?
2: Yeah, excuse me, rookie wide receivers. Sorry, rookie wide receivers.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Devontae Smith is creating separation at a very high level, and he is just struggling because Jalen Hurts can hit the broadside of a barn. He is not throwing the ball accurately. Whereas you see some of the other, you know, talented receivers, obviously Jamar Chase, like on a Randy Boss like pace, right. I will argue, and I hate to be the guy that presses the gap, you know, the brakes a little bit on PFF's wide receiver one, but he is running such a simple route tree and creating separation on these go balls that like, I still want to see some more versatile wins or multiple wins from Jamar Chase. So much of it is just that connection that they had at LSU, running the nine route and getting open deep down the field. Can he work more of the underneath stuff? Can we see him work after the catch? I still want to see a little bit more from Jamar Chase, and I still think Rashad Bateman expected to come back this week, the Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. He's going to enter the mix pretty quickly, being one of the more dominant rookie receivers so far this year. All right, help
3: me with the Ravens, because they keep winning, but uh-huh. if you look at their actual results, they have an overtime loss to the Raiders, the one-point win over Kansas City, they needed the longest field goal in NFL history to beat the Lions, and an overtime win over the Colts. Are they actually good?
0: I think they are actually good, because Lamar Jackson is actually good. How much he's improved as a pocket passer this year, I think, is significant. I mean, I think he's my pick for right now MVP of this you know of this season because he's been so valuable to the Baltimore Ravens. Do you think completely about the award being you know value to your own football team? Lamar, the Baltimore Ravens don't win a game if they don't have Lamar Jackson because he's that rare of a skill set, that unique. I do think the issues for Baltimore have it on the defensive side, of the ball not getting pass rush like they wanted. They're very committed in their ways of running a ton of man coverage. Some teams have exploited that pretty easily, especially with quarterbacks that are a bit accurate, like Derek Carr has been, all that stuff. So Baltimore needs Lamar Jackson to be MVP caliber to win football games right now, but he is playing at that level, and I think as long as he's doing that, they can be three-point favorites over the Chargers at home.
2: That's my next question. Can Justin Herbert keep it up?
0: I think Justin Herbert's keeping it up, too. The offensive line is good, even with the injuries they've had at tackle – you know, he's still continuing to exceed expectations. And I think it gets understated how good this receiving core is. Mike Williams, Keaton Allen, they are very, very talented. And I even like Josh Palmer, rookie Tennessee wide receiver that's played well for them. Austin Eckler is a top five back in the NFL. Like, they have the supporting cast to do it. A defensive coach that has the Chargers defense playing well above expectations so far this year. I'm all in on the Chargers. I said it after week one. I said, I'm all in. This is, this. is They have it. If they can stay healthy, Herbert can stay healthy. They have it. They are going to be contending with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Bills, the Browns, the Ravens, to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC.
3: Well, he is Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. Austin, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Austin.
0: Absolutely, thank you. Awesome
3: stuff. All right, here That's we go. Good. We got $100 from Dollar Loan Center up for grabs. Have we said the uh, winner last week? Yeah, we Julio won 500 bucks last yeah. week. We yeah, finally got a winner in. Julio had the Falcons, Steelers, and Bills in all three. won. He basically just picked against the AFC West because he's a Raiders fan <laughs> and it worked out very well for him. He won 500 bucks. Now it resets to $100 and you've got a chance to win it. You're, we're going to give you three NFL games. You just got to pick the winners of those three. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. You'll have a chance to win $100. bucks. <laughs>
1: Is Tyler a know it all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702 720 4678.
3: If we just started opening up everybody's private emails and texts, you know, people would start sweating a little bit. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully, not too many, you know. uh, But maybe that's what they should do for all coaches and GMs and owners from now on is open up. You got to open up everything,
1: you know, see what happens. We're back to the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff.
3: It is Friday football frenzy. Thanks to the Dollar Loan Center, who is offering signature loans up to $5,000 to stop by one of their 31 Las Vegas locations. We've got Nate on the line. Nate, you've got a shot at 100 bucks, but you got to pick the winner of three NFL games. Your first game, Bengals at Lions.
0: Oh, all right. Well, we're going to Troy.
3: Oh, wow. Taking the Lions to win at home. Second game, Chargers at Ravens.
0: Go Chargers.
3: All right. Chargers on the road. And your last game, Cardinals at Browns. We're
0: going to take the Brownies.
3: All right. So if the Lions, Chargers, and Browns win, you will win $100. Nate, if not, we'll have $200 to give away next week. Thanks, Nate, and good luck. Thanks, Nate. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Putting your money on the Lions. Wow. Well, not really his money. He doesn't have any money no. to wager on it, but could win some money if the Lions. Got to get got to get some help from the Lions. That's a little scary place to be, isn't it? Not a lot of people go down that road. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations, by the way, to Julio last week. He won 500 bucks. our first winner uh, of the season. Uh, so, UNLV football plays this weekend. Play in Utah State. You know what today is?
2: Uh, let's see. Uh, reading this, I want to say, and I'm going out of the limb here: the
3: 684th day <laughs> since you and LV last won a game. It is today officially uh, breaks the school record for most consecutive days without a football <sighs> win. 683 was the original record, spanning off uh, from the end of the 1997 season, the entire 1998 season, and it actually ended with the first game of 1999 that streak has now been broken this is the longest this program has ever been without winning a game mm. which is tough to do in, for this program it's really hard to do for a mountain west team yeah now marcus arroyo has not reached the actual uh, consecutive games lost record uh due in part because he only played half of a season last year uh, i think it's lucky i, I got to go back and look i think if they lose to hawaii that will tie the record i got to go double check which game it is would tie the record if they don't win very surprised you don't know that but I think they're winning today or tomorrow. Yeah, really? he, he's already come out. And I he, think they're yeah, winning. Yeah. I don't think it's going to I don't think he's getting there to that he, record. He doesn't he doesn't do extra work if he doesn't have to. Yeah. I think they're winning. I think they're going to beat Utah State. I think this is the worst defense they're going to play all season.
2: Uh Chuck Wagon better have about 150 against these
3: guys. Well, they're probably going to need to throw it a little bit. But uh, this is the worst defense they're going to play all season. Utah State's pretty solid offensively. Uh, they've had some good good games, good numbers offensively this year. But defensively, this is the worst team UNLV will play. And if UNLV's offense is going to look good in a game this season, this is the one. This is the game that they will look good.
2: Money to Utah State. Oh, boy. The yeah. money went to Utah. I was talking to a, one of our guys yesterday. I think it was like... Six, six and a half. It went to seven, seven and a half. No, oh. that's. But I think that's more. I asked him why, and he just goes, "Oh boy, just yeah." And no, he just said, "Well, there's, you know, call us crazy, but there's a reputation of UNA football that doesn't win a lot of games. Six hundred eighty-six hundred eighty-four straight days that people LB. just bet against. Yeah, he actually said he goes, "That's just people who, on a weekly basis, will bet against them. They'll just come up and they'll say every time they play, we'll bet against them, and we'll win <laughs> more than we don't." Uh, so i'm 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 with you. I think there's two games that Ed's given out Ed's given out tips. <laughs> uh, there's two games that stand out to me only because I saw the other team play last week. I think I told you I do think they have a chance to win this one, and New Mexico was so bad against San Diego State, and San Diego State's pretty good, but they were so bad moving the ball. and I know the games in Albuquerque that if they're not in that game then there's something terribly wrong. I yeah. mean I'm not saying they're going to go win there but they better be in that game cuz I watched New Mexico and they were bad.
3: Yeah. There's a there's a couple of games the rest of the season that even if if we're talking about moral victories there's a couple of games the rest of the season that they've got to at least be competitive in. Yes. And th- this is one of them. Like if they Oh
2: yeah, you lose this one by
3: three. 30 to 18 or something like that, 30 to 17, right. then that's not good at all. Right. Like, they, you know, if, if you lose to Nevada by three scores, all right, yeah. that's a good team. Yeah. You're probably expected to lose to them by three scores. But this one, New Mexico, Hawaii's probably on that list too. There's a few teams left on the schedule that UNLV should be in a competitive game with. And again, they might not win because this team's not very good, but this is one of them. Like, they should be in a competitive game. With Utah State, if they, if like we're going into the fourth quarter and this game's already decided against UNLV, that's, brutal. that's not good because no. now you're looking around saying, okay, where are the moral victories? Oh, you can't even point to any moral victories right. anymore. There's nothing to point to, but I think they're in it. I think they win it. Uh, I think this is going to be the best the offense looks the entire season. Even if Doug Brumfield doesn't play, I've still got enough confidence in Cameron Friel that he'll get it done against the worst defense they see all season. So I think this is it. This so, is the Marcus Arroyo win. Justin Rogers, first snap. first snap. I mean, I, can I, I make is, a caveat if Justin Rogers... Is still on the team? Because I keep hearing about all the other three quarterbacks, and I never hear about him anymore. I'm, p- I'm putting one caveat. If Justin Rogers starts, my prediction doesn't count anymore. They lose. <laughs> Wait, I don't think he can... No, that's no, how, how this say, works. Just say, if Justin Rogers just walks out there for snap win. one... Poor nope. kid. If he walks out there for snap one, I'm pulling it back. Home of, home of uh, Rebels football. Yeah, Got Tyler over here. Just just take it
2: out some 20-year-old. I don't think it's going to happen, only because Sam and Mike Ramallah wrote recently that here are the three quarterbacks at practice that they're talking (laughs) about, and Justin (laughs) Rogers wasn't even one of them. And and by the way, the three they were talking about were all
3: hurt. (laughs) That's a little weird. Not good for my prediction that UNLV finally wins when all the quarterbacks are hurt. Yes. Not good. I think... I'm going to say Cameron Friel starts. Who do you say? That's what I'm guessing, too, is that it's Friel. Uh, I guess there's a chance it's Brumfield is 80%, 90%, whatever the threshold is for them to say, yeah, that's good enough. Get out there. But, yeah, I think it'll be Cameron Friel, and he'll probably play the entirety of the game unless he gets hurt or something, or it's just completely awful, which wouldn't go well for my prediction. But here we go. UNLV 27, Utah State 24. UNLV 21, Utah State Oh, you're on board. We're both picking a win? Don't you have to? What a day. 7-8.